Hello, my name is Meg. Welcome to the Unedited Podcast. Thank you so much for joining me today. The goal of this podcast is to help you both develop and enjoy the habit of daily Bible reading and prayer. About 20 years ago, at a very low spot in my life, I was convicted to begin this simple discipline, and I looked up years down the road to see how God had used this habit to heal deep places in my heart and do incredible things in my life. And so over the years, it's really become my greatest passion to help others get to know Jesus through His Word and through His presence. Through this podcast, I'm hoping to help you see the Word of God with fresh eyes, to learn to slow down with your Bible, and ultimately to fall in love with Jesus and to fall in love with your Bible. So thank you so, so much for joining me today. I am so grateful that you are here. Happy Friday. Welcome to Unedited. I'm so excited that you're here. Today, I'm going to be sharing an interview with Sister Rachel Joy Carson. She is the pastor's wife at Calvary Tabernacle in Indianapolis, Indiana, and she has a lot of really good things to share. I'm excited to get this conversation out there. Before I get into the interview, I just want to mention a couple of things overflow the fine art of cultivating joy and sorrow the second book in the unedited collection is available on amazon going to be uh, promoting that in other venues shortly Um, but in addition to that today i am going to be launching a giveaway over on instagram and so it's a green giveaway i'm going to be giving away a copy of overflow a 50 dollars bill because hey who doesn't like some green um have a, a snoga gift card a Stanley Tumblr, and a few other fun treasures to be included. So you can enter that giveaway over on Instagram. Today's conversation with Sister Rachel Joy Carson is going to be a blessing to you. And without further ado, here is the conversation with Sister Carson. Today, I have the privilege of interviewing Sister Rachel Carson. Um, Sister Carson is the wife of Brother Josh Carson, who you may recall was on an interview a couple of months back. They pastor at Calvary Tabernacle Church in Indianapolis, Indiana, and Brother Carson serves as the president of Indiana Bible College. Um, They were also previously uh, youth presidents for the United Pentecostal Church International and um, I'm just super excited to share Sister Carson's voice with you today. I know they have four children. I'm sure she's going to share a little bit more about that it, into the conversation. But thank you so much for being on the show today, Sister Carson, and for sharing your heart with unedited listeners. Absolutely. Glad to be here today. Thank you for asking. Yes. Yeah, so glad to have you. I kind of always start off with the same question. Um, everybody has a testimony. And just to give us a little bit of context, can you share about your background? your story, your testimony. Absolutely. Well, I am blessed to say that I am fourth generation Pentecostal. So I have been raised in this and I'm so thankful for my heritage and that I am able to pass this on to my four children. Um, And with that being said, I, I did grow up fourth generation Pentecostal, but I do come from a broken home. My parents divorced when I was 17. Um, And for me, I was just graduating. So it 
probably, it did have an effect on me. I will say uh, it still has an effect on me to this day to some extent. Um, but I, it was at an age where I was leaving the house. So as somewhat, that was probably somewhat of a blessing. Um, mm-hmm. just because I didn't, you know, I, I, my heart goes out to those that come from broken homes because I know to an extent what they're going through. Um, but my parents, uh, I, I came from a great home as far as we went to church. Um, and yeah, for the most part, I mean, it was, yeah, it was a great, great home. Um, I, and I'll share a little bit of this later, but, um, my memories of a young person, I came home, I remember coming off the bus and several times I'd walk in the house and my mom would be in the bedroom, just interceding. Mm. And, um, and there's nothing like coming home to a praying mom, which that was, I felt like passed on to me, which I want to pass on to my kids. So legacy. Yes. What a legacy. And that kind of ties into the next question. The reason that I had the idea to interview you was because when Brother Carson was interviewing, he said, nobody prays like Rachel Carson. Nobody keeps a prayer journal like Rachel Carson. And I was like, can you get me an interview with her? (laughs) So can you just tell us about where that passion for prayer began? Obviously, you just kind of gave a little clue to that hearing your mom intercede, but just just kind of dive into that a little bit more deeply. Yeah, absolutely. And that's where I feel like it did start. Um, I feel like we model by example and coming home and seeing that. I don't know that I can actually pinpoint uh, where my passion, like when it actually started. I've always been, uh, you know, with prayer, of course, younger, you're not as consistent. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, you think you can get by on Sunday to Wednesday for the most part, a lot of times, you know. Um, you know, when you're younger, it's like, oh, or you depend on your parents. But um, so I can't really, you know, the exact time when, but I know it was passed on. And then of course, when you have children, you think totally different on everything. Cause I mean, you're responsible for those souls, you know, that you just brought into this world. Well, the Lord brought them in, but you know, and, and you're raising them and you feel like, okay, I'm responsible for how I raise them in my home. In my devotion time, I'm, you know, where where I'm coming through right now, and it's all the um, the parents that did discipline correctly. I'm reading about was reading about David and how he didn't discipline some of his sons correctly, and how they became unruly, and then they ended up turning their back on God, and just because the parents didn't raise their their kids correctly, and so I mean, we have a job as parents, but I want my kids to know the importance of prayer. They've got to know the importance of prayer. They can't learn that at church. They can't learn that from the youth pastor, the pastor, they have to, it starts at home. Right. And we've got to start, we have to model what we do. We can't just say, you've got to pray. I'm not saying every time, you know, my kids come home, they hear me in the bedroom. It wasn't like that for me growing up, but I knew, you know, when, when my mom was in her room, I knew not to bother her. I knew she was on her knees and it was important for me to see her. So, you know, I believe maybe some of those times I've never asked her, but they probably were intentional where, um, I think sometimes we have to, it's good. Even if we do plan it like, okay, the kids are about to be home. I know it's not a good time to go pray, but they need to know that I am in there praying or if they, you know, if you're an early riser and 
pray before they get up. There's times that they've got to see you. Um, but I would say, yeah, that's probably, you know, it, it started just seeing my mom when I was younger. And um, even with being a newer pastor's wife, I've been in ministry since I was 21. But uh, I would say I, I've always had a consistent prayer life, I will say. But I feel more of a, um, I don't know what the right word is. I don't know if it's like urgency, if that's the right word. But even being a pastor's wife, I don't want to go. I can't go a day without spending adequate time with the Lord, not just a five minute conversation in the car. I know some people say that's when they do their prayer time, but I can't do personally my heavy prayer time when I'm driving because there's too many distractions around. There's cars um, but for me to touch the throne of God, I've got to do it because I have a responsibility. I feel like um, being the shepherd's wife to many people um, and knowing that they have needs and situations. So. Mm. So many good little things shared there. You know, I have a similar experience with my mom. It wasn't frequent, but I remember one time as a little girl walking into my mom's bedroom and she was down by the side of her bed praying. And I cannot tell you the impact of that one time walking in on my mom. I mean, I heard her pray other times, you know, she prayed with us, but that moment was so impacting and probably like you kind of a, a piece of my own prayer journey. Um, I love how you said, I want my kids to know the importance of prayer. They can't learn that at church. They can't learn that from the youth pastor. And um, it kind of reminds me of what Brother Carson said when he was on here, more so about Bible reading. But he said, if we all opened our Bibles at home, the whole church would would change. Um, I'm not that's not a direct quote, but I love your aspect of that on prayer. We have to be praying in our homes. We can't learn how to have an actual relationship with Jesus in church services only. It has to come into our homes. It has to be daily. Um it, it has to be every single day. And um, so thank you for everything that you shared just in that response. And I love how you said, I can't go a day without spending adequate time with the Lord. I feel that I'm not a pastor's wife, but I feel that like I can't make it. I, I know the days if I accidentally yeah. sleep and end up missing that time or have abbreviated time, it does impact the day. Um. With that, Brother Carson mentioned that you keep a prayer journal. How did you start prayer journaling? What does that actually look like tangibly for you? Well, yes, I do have a prayer journal. Um, and honestly, I don't. I was even trying to think of when did I even start doing this? I started it years ago. I have a few. And um, I just started with even... I get very distracted easily. And so, and there may be many listeners out there that are the same. I'm sure I'm not alone. <laughs> I'm with you. <laughs> and so, um, actually I just did a class at church and we did physical, spiritual, and mental health. And I talked on the spiritual and even brought that up. And I said, can I get a witness? And I had several hands go up. So I was glad to know I'm not alone. Um, and that may be even why, probably why I started it, um, years ago. But I love my prayer journal um, as far as for, I have different categories 
Um, and you know what? I'm sorry. I think I don't even know if I'm answering your question. Did you ask me how it got started? I'm yeah, sorry. How, how it got started and what it looks like. So it's kind of two parts. Okay. That's what I thought. I just want to make sure. So, um, so yeah, I have just different, different topics that I pray about, um, as far as if I know certain situations and not just at my church, I, one thing, um, I, I'm trying to say, I don't know how to say this without, I don't want it to sound a certain way, but I'm very sensitive to things. If I go with my husband to a church to when he's speaking or whatever, I feel like that's the one thing. Um, I'm always sensitive to what the Lord has. And I, not that I hate it. That's not the right word, but it's like, Oh, I always pick up on something or someone and not that that's bad. I know it sounds it, but I'm just like, um, I guess because if I see somebody, I can just look across the room and just instantly feel a burden. And I guess the reason why I say it like that is it's because it's almost like I can't get relief from it until like I've gone over and prayed with that person or, you know, and then sometimes I feel like I carry it when I leave. Um, and then that ends up being in my prayer journal, if that makes sense. So, um, so I have different topics where, um, if I know of people that need healings, um, different situations, specific situations, salvation, uh, those that need salvation. Um, I also have a list of all our, our leaders, uh, our district superintendent, um, our national brother Bernard, sister Bernard, their families, all our, you know, leaders of our church movement. I cover them and, um, backsliders, different things. And with all of those different requests that I have, which sometimes helps me if I get not distracted in prayer, I don't, because I usually, you know, go right in, but then afterwards I do like to have that because it is hard to remember every request. And, um, but one important page that I have is my miracle page. Hmm. And I feel like this is one of the most important pages that I have because there's going to be times where we all go through low moments, you know, where we just, where maybe we're discouraged or if there's ever a time where I'm, I'm, I'm struggling, like I have a situation, I'm like, oh, you know, where you do question like, God, is this going to happen? Are you going to do this? But I can look back in my prayer journal at my miracle page and say, look what he did. We've got a situation right now um, in our church and it's, it's like, God, are you going to come through this? And I look back and I go, Oh, you came through for her before. Cause I got it in my journal and I've read it and you did it, you know, and where I can even come through and even remind certain people or situations if they come to me and say, can you pray and say, yes, remember when he did this for you in 2021? Well, guess what? I believe God can do it for you again. And so, and I believe it's, um, um, a good thing to have very important. One of my most important pages, I feel like I have in my prayer journal. So. So you're just like building a memorial with yes. that page. Um, yeah. so in your prayer journal, you really don't write anything else. It's just prayer requests, God's answer to prayers, things like that. Right. Yes. For the most part. And then to, um, I have, and now I have a separate journal too, that I do with, um, like my Bible reading. So I do have, I I've got like <laughs> all these books. So when I go to do my devotion time, I feel like, I feel like I'm almost like at school. I got all my books out. Cause I do, I use two Bibles. Um, I do, I read my King James first, and then I have a study Bible 
And so my, and even when I just did my spiritual class, I told everybody's, everybody's devotion time is going to look different because we're all at different walks in life. We're all in different stages. I don't have newborns where, you know, I'm constantly having to tend to or toddlers, you know, where I have to work things out. And, and like I told them, it, it doesn't matter how, but it's, you have to, you, we've got to spend time in our word and on our knees because we can't, we can't make it just like we need water to live. <laughs> you know, that's the way I consider it. So my, um, I will. So when I do even my prayer time, if the Lord gives me something, I will put that in my prayer journal too. Um, and then I also have a separate journal for Bible reading that I use. And, um, so I feel like even when I'm reading as God gives me things, I write things in there too. Okay. So So a separate one for Bible reading, a separate one for, um, for prayer. And let me just ask when you have your, you said you write categories, you have, you know, maybe situations or, um, circumstances that need heat or need to be addressed and then healing, salvation, leaders, prodigals, is this just kind of an ongoing list? You're not rewriting this every day, right? This is just something that you add to. Um, yes. However, at the beginning of every year, I go through and I um, clean it up. I guess I do a new list. So I'll copy over. So I'm still praying, but then I kind of take out because if I have a prayer request over to the side, I put like the Lord answered this prayer, even though I put it in my miracle, but I just put when, you know, when it was um, when it was answered, sort of speak. So then the new year, like I'll, I'm getting ready. I'll, you know, switch it over. Okay. So, all right. I love this because every week I share, um, journal entries that I've written. And so it's very like one dimensional. This is how I journal. That's all I know. Right. But you're sharing a different way of journaling, which is so helpful for people. And I love that journaling is so powerful. And so thank you for that. And, we would kind of be twins with the books all over the place. I'm the same. I look like I moved into wherever I'm <laughs> studying. Yeah. Um, that was all just really, really good. And yes, it's bread and water, right? We can't live without this. And I think we have to come, I know we have to come to see this habit of Bible reading and prayer as so essential that we cannot survive. We really cannot survive spiritually. It's certainly not healthfully without this habit. We will not make it. Like this is what fuels our growth and our endurance in our Christian walk. And yes. so thank you for that. How so like you kind of already answered this question really how does it work in tandem with your Bible reading? Um and you said you have a separate journal for that. What sorts of things do you write? Are you like writing out devotional thoughts? Are you just writing one little sentence? Are you writing a scripture? Maybe just kind of explain that a little a little bit more if you could. Okay, sure. So I've gone through the bread chart for, you know, several years, read the Bible through. And um, I, I'm one that I like to, I like to change things up. So if I do, for example, I did a ladies event last night at church, everything's different. I don't ever do anything the same. So I kind of got to the point where I'm like, okay, I want to change this up. You know, I've read the Bible in chronological order, you know, different order, whatever. So I wanted to change it up. So I started this last year. Excuse me. Bless you. Um, I wanted to deep dive in the word, even more so. Um, not just when I was, you know, studying for something, but I wanted I wanted to do it every day. 
And so what I did and I, I decided to start reading and I got the idea from a friend that posted. She said, I just got done reading the Bible through, it took me five years and I'm like five years. But then she said, I took a chapter a day and journaled it. And so I give credit to Andrea Harry. <laughs> okay. And um, I saw that and I, I'm going to start doing this. So I read one chapter a day and then I journal on that. So what that looks like for me is um, I read it. I kind of summarize what I feel because if we're all honest, we come to some points in the Bible where we're like, what in the world are they talking about? Like, I don't understand. That's why I also have my study Bible so I can break it down, you know, especially when you get to certain parts and I'm like, what, (laughs) you know, but for me, oh my goodness, this has been a game changer. And I would totally challenge anybody that almost like, not that you dread reading the Bible, but when you're like, I'm not going to get anything out of this, do a chapter a day. I'm going, I'm actually in the middle of my second year. So I'm getting ready to start my third year. And wow. Oh my goodness. Reading a chapter a day, I read it, I summarize it. And then even when I've read it, if I feel like the Lord's given me something for that, that's where I include that in the journal part. So I'm summarizing the chapter and then writing what the Lord has given me. But I have, and I know this happens and I know it's the Lord. You can read something one time. And then when you go back and read it later, maybe if you're going through something or whatever situation, you're like, oh my word, I never read that before. And how things just jump out and stand out to you. And I'll include that in my journal. So some chapters, um, I only have like maybe three or four lines, especially when you get to the Psalms, you know, there's not really much to write about, but then I've got some where I've taken up two full pages. Um, I've got several journals and it is taken time, um, but I just do my one chapter and I dive deep dive in it and I love it. It's just been a amazing thing for me and even understanding the word of God, because I'm a, I just take that time. I'm like, okay, this is where my Bible study time, I'm going to make sure that I understand what I'm reading and not just reading just to check it off the bread chart, if that makes sense. And not that the bread chart's bad. I did it for several years, but I wanted, I'm like, I wanted to go deeper. I wanted to be challenged. You know, our goals in life uh, should be to continually to grow and get closer to God. And so that's where um, I feel like that started. And so I love it. Like I look forward to it. I got my fancy highlighters. I color coordinate everything. Um, so it, when I, when I, when I highlight in my Bible too, cause I'm highlighting whatever color that is, that's the color pen I have in my journal. So just a side little nugget of me. <laughs> okay. That's what my pastor's wife does. She has certain color highlights for certain topics. I'm not that organized. Everything is black and I do have some highlights. Uh- absolutely no coordination on it. Um, that, that is amazing. And that really unedited listeners will know that's something that I constantly talk about is slowing down with the word of God. You don't need it. It's not a checklist item. This is how we establish relationships. This is how we get to know the heart of God. And so everything you said was just so beautiful. Thank you for that. What advice would you give to somebody who feels like their prayer life and maybe their prayer and Bible reading life is pointless and they've struggled to get it off the ground. It just feels dry and dull. What would you tell that person? Honestly, probably what I just shared, starting a little bit at a time. Um, I taught when we lived in St. Louis, I had one of the, I think I had the fifth and sixth graders and 
one thing I felt impressed was just even speaking on prayer and teaching them to pray. And I challenged all of them. I said, okay, I said, next week, I'm going to ask you, I said, this week, I want you to try and pray every day for one minute. Now, one minute is nothing for us, but for kids, you know, Jesus, I love you. Thank you for this day. I love you. You know, amen. (laughs) You know, it's like really, really short and sweet. So I told them, I said, I want you to, you know, five things and broke down everything, praise and worship and all that, and just starting little. And so what I would say is don't feel like you can't be successful, but start a little each and every day, even if you only have five minutes and work your way up. Nobody, I mean, maybe there's somebody out there, but I was going to say, it's probably hard for anybody just to say, you know, when you haven't been successful with praying and not consistent to say, Oh, I'm going to start praying an hour a day. No, you're not (laughs) more than likely just because you know, just even getting, you've got to get in your routine. That's like going to the gym. You know, we make new year's resolutions. Oh, I'm going to watch what I eat. I'm going to diet. I'm going to run. I'm going to do this every day. And we're good for 30 days. And then we fall off the bandwagon, so to speak, you know? So I would say to be consistent, you need to start small and work your way up where now there's times where I'm, I love what I just read. And I'm like, Oh, I want to go to the next chapter because I'm so into what I'm doing. And And I don't think about the time. And I know sometimes, you know, there are time restraints when you have little kids where you don't have a lot of time. So maybe it's putting them down for a nap and maybe, you know, they sleep for 30 minutes. That's all you have. But yet you also have to get the dishes done. You, I get it. So I feel like if you start small um, and start with a chapter, if that's what you have to do, but we've got to do more than just another thing that I also have is I have a a devotional that I do on the side, but I can't just depend on that devotional because that devotional that I'm reading that someone else wrote may not have anything to deal with what I'm doing or what the Lord knows I'm going to need for that day or what I'm going to face for that day, which is why I have to spend time in the word and why I have to spend time on my knees. Amen. So start small and be consistent. Yes. Such good advice. Such, such good advice. Um, I'm going to kind of switch gears a little bit and talk about some ministry. Things. Is there anything else on the subject of Bible reading and prayer that you would like to share um, before we before we switch gears? Um. Not that I can think of. I just know one thing. And I I started to say this at the beginning that I feel um, just as a reminder that like your kids are watching that I will say, I'll never forget. And um, I usually get emotional when I share it because it's so powerful. But my kids went to, they attended public school in St. Louis they were Bible quizzers. So every morning before they got on the bus, we would do their quoting. And cause it was important for me, um, to make sure they had the word of God and they were getting that before they went to the environment that they were going to. And, um, now, I mean, even though it wasn't that long ago, it wasn't, I feel as crazy as now it what some of our kids deal with, but, um, I would do that. And then every morning I would come down or once I got the kids on the bus is when I would, you know, do my devotional time. And I had my two-year-old upstairs still in bed. And I thought, okay, I'm going to do this before he gets up, before the day gets started. And I can't count how many times that I would get up from praying 
And my two-year-old would be bent over with his little hands on his face, bent over and like he was praying with me. And I, I just, it was just so emotional. Even now when I think about it, cause it's like moms and dads, we are models. Our kids are watching. And more importantly, like I said, even at the beginning, and I'll say it again, we can't just say we have to do, they've got us. And to this day, my, my two-year-old who's not no longer a two-year-old is now a 12-year-old is usually the first one to the altar during praise and worship. He is such a leader with that praying. I get pictures all the time from the principal. He's at a Christian school now, just how he's leading. He's leading by example. I mean, from what he saw is what I believe. And that's not to pat myself on the back or to, to, you know, uh, puff myself up, but just to say, your kids got to see, you have to pass this down. What are you passing down? You know, we can pass down, um, you know, things that don't matter how to cook, but most importantly, the things that we can pass down is our prayer time and our Bible reading to our kids. Other things won't matter. You may think oh, I don't have anything to pass down. Yes, you do. You can pass down your prayer time and your Bible reading time and what that looks like, which is what is the most important thing in this life. Our goal is to get to heaven and we want our family saved. Amen. What a word. You may think you don't have anything to pass down, but you do. The poorest person on the face of this planet has something they can pass down. And what a legacy. If we could not leave our kids one cent, but we left them a legacy of prayer and teaching them to pray. What a legacy. That That's incredible. Thank you for sharing that story. Um. Like I said, I want to switch gears a little bit to talk about ministry. And I know that there is a lot of pressure in pastoral ministry. What would you say to a pastor's wife, maybe that's feeling discouraged in their role, or maybe not a pastor's wife, some other person in ministry? Um, what words of encouragement would you have for them or advice? Well, and I feel like I'm saying the same stuff over and over, but that's I mean, okay. it does all go together. Uh, just as far as I, and even more so with me being the pastor's wife, uh, being a pastor's wife now, it's, it's so much more important to me than it ever was before with being in prayer. Because when you're in prayer, things aren't going to bother you when you've spent time with the Lord and you know, you have a word and you know where you're supposed to be. Things are not going to affect you like they would is if you had it. One thing for me, and I'm thankful, um, I've just had a few, maybe if you want to say negative things that have been said to me just since I've been a pastor's wife. And I'm thankful that I've been able to just basically let it roll off my back. Now, there have been times probably, or I mean, I know where I've, you know, even had to say to my husband, like, oh my word, I can't believe this, you know, where it does bother me. And then even he has to remind me like, no, you know you know, or you heard from the Lord or you don't need to. And it's like, no, you're right. <laughs> you know, and even to be reminded, even though I have spent time in prayer. So there's even times where, you know, if you are, even if you are, have spent your time in prayer where you're, you know, you may question, but that's where you've got to be consistent and you've got to know, no, um, God brought me here for this time and for this season. And I know I'm doing what I'm supposed to do. And so keep your head up. You'll get through it. We all have times where we feel like, oh, my word, God, are you there? Yes, he's there. The waiting time is the hardest time. 
But like the song says, even when I can't see it, he's working. When I can't feel it, it he's working. And we just got to trust and know that our creator is with us and he's working. Amen. Amen. Um, you and Brother Carson have been in many roles that have required a lot of you. And what have you done to intentionally prioritize your family? Yeah, that's a great question. We get asked uh, that a lot, probably. Um, I would say I know to a lot of a lot of women, just because you know that I've come across, have a hard time saying no to things. Mm-hmm. I was one. Of, I had a hard time, and actually, I'm thankful for all my friends who have been pastor's wives for longer than I have, because I have gained a lot of wisdom from things that they have shared. And one of those things that I was even determined was I can't do everything. I can't, I can't do it all. And I can't please everybody, no matter what I do, you know, you're going to have some that are for or against on no matter what you're doing. And so So when it comes to our kids, that's one thing that we've had to say. Now we've taught our kids price and privilege. So they understand that they have to pay a price at times where um, we've got to go do certain things or, you know, we're at the church late. We're not getting home till later. But then they also know they get uh, privileges that other people don't have. So even if we go speak an event and they come with us, just even simple things like us walking in a room with a basket that to them is like a privilege, like, wow, we came here and we have this basket um, or we get to do certain things. Um, For example, Pastor Appreciation Month, you know, where they get a gift where other people, you know, where other kids are not, you know, that's just one of the privileges they get, but they do pay a huge price when it comes to it. Um, Every Monday night is our family night. So we make sure, or we try to make sure nothing comes in that way. Um, and if something does come up or something is scheduled, then we will move it to another day. But that's one thing I would encourage listeners. If you don't have a family night, you've got to have a time where you're connecting with your family. And that looks different every Monday, um, whether we're playing a game together, um, we may go do something. So it's not like it has to be the same thing every every week. We also, um, for prioritizing our family, we do devotion together um, every night too, except for the nights that we have church because we're going and getting spiritually fed. So years ago, um, and this will also go with what we're talking about with the prayer. um, My kids, I would go pray with them at the altar and they, they weren't really praying kind of like, you know, which kids, what's it's normal, you know, just kind of putting their hands up and kind of like closing their eyes and just mumbling where you can't hear. And we all know that in order to be filled with the Holy Ghost, we have to open our mouths so God can come fill. And so the Lord really impressed on me that I am like, man, I, my, my kids, they've got to get comfortable praying. So years ago, I started where we started, um, but I told my husband, uh, every kid. So we started the oldest. So on Monday nights was Canaan's night to pray. And Canaan is now 19. So Monday was his night where he just prayed out loud. Actually, I'm sorry. I'm at a, that was on Tuesday because on Monday nights, we all prayed. So we all, we started from the youngest to old where we all pray. And then Tuesday night was Canaan's night. And so just Canaan prayed out loud for us. And then 
we, you know, of course had church Wednesday and then it was Carver. Carver's now 16. I didn't talk much about my kids, but um, he was younger, but, and then Cadence had a night. uh, So she's 14. And then Kaysen, our youngest is 12, but they each had a night after Monday where just they prayed. And I wanted them to get comfortable praying out loud because I felt like, and just back to what I said before, it starts at the home. It starts at home. If I could get them being comfortable to praying out loud in front of their family, then I wanted them. I was hoping that when they got to church, they would be comfortable to pray out loud and didn't care who was around them. And so, so for us, I feel like that was a, it was a great thing. And it really, that, you know, it worked or as far as now they have no problems when I'm walking through and praying with different, my kids, I hear them praying out loud. And so that was important for, so our devotion time together as a family, very important. Every Monday we all pray and then broke it down that way. So. All right. So Monday night, family night, and then family devotions. Those are just two very practical things that really any family could incorporate to prioritize family in the middle of a busy schedule, whether that's a ministry schedule or just a work and life schedule. Um, Thank you for sharing those. Those are very practical and very helpful. Now, I know you just mentioned your kids. So you have nine, did you say 19, 16, 14, 12? Yes. Yep. Okay. So you have one who's kind of already out of the house in some regards in school. Um, And you're closing in on those years where they're all going to be out of the house. Your youngest is 12. Now you still have some time. I will tell you, soak it up. My kids are both adults now and it just goes so quick. I'm sure everybody tells you that. But what do you feel are the most important things that you can do in these final years with your kids at home? I'm sure you're going to touch on some of the thing, same things you've already touched on, but that's okay. Repetition is the mother of education. So <laughs> what, yeah. what do you feel is most important while they're still there under your roof? Um, yes. And like I said, teaching on prayer and Bible reading. Um, so our oldest, he is in his second year of college and I was good. Um, you know, knew he was graduating. It really didn't hit me until probably about last week. And I found myself crying every day. And it wasn't like, it wasn't like a sad thing, but it was more of me, probably even more so doing a self-evaluation. And it was like, have I taught him um, everything, the important things of life? Like, does he have this message for himself? Does he understand our lifestyle disciplines? Why it's important? Does he understand the importance of prayer? Does he understand the importance of Bible reading? And so I think that's why I was so emotional just because I was doing, I was asking myself like, cause he's out. And I tell my kids now, you know, a lot of times if they don't agree with the situation or why we have to do this or why we got to do. And I say, Guys, I have to answer to the Lord for how I raise you. Once you leave my house and you're out, you are on your own. I'm not responsible. Um, I mean, you know, I'm like, all I can do is pray for you, but I raised you. And so it's important that while we have them, because we're not promised tomorrow either, life is short. Time flies. It's even crazy. My youngest has reminded me several times, mom, you no longer have any kids in elementary school. I'm like, I know, don't remind me that sad. <laughs> and then I've got another one who's a junior going to graduate, you know, he'll be a senior next year. And 
it's, it, it's just crazy. But you, you know, during that time too, I, you know, I asked myself, I'm like, was I worried too much about his room being clean? Was I worried too much about the laundry? Um, and I've told people several times too, when my kids come home from school, I try to just be mom because there's always going to be dishes. There's always going to be laundry. There's always going to be something to do, but the best thing we can do is give our kids our time and mm -hmm. our ear listening to what they have to say a lot. You know, most of the time they don't want a response. They just want you to listen. And sometimes it's hard because <laughs> we've been there. We've done that. We get it. And we want to just say, do this or do that, you know, but um, my husband's good at saying, and he says it all the times. There's a reason God gave us two ears and one mouth. So, so I would just say uh, important things are given your time and and leading by example. Thank you for sharing that. That is so good. And I love those questions. And I think those are important questions for parents to ask while their kids are at home. Am I giving them the skills? Do they understand what they believe doctrinally? Have I taught them and not just expected the church to teach them? Have they seen me model prayer? Those are great questions. Yeah. So thank you so much for sharing that. Um, we have covered a lot of topics. Ta I talked about um, Bible reading and prayer. Is there anything else just in closing that you would like to share with unedited listeners? Um, not that I can think of, but just, just an encouraging word would be, you can do this. No matter where you're at, you can do it, but you have to take time for it. Um, just like we take time for when we want to diet, we make sure we go get the foods we need. We're consistent with it. We do what we need to do. If we want to buy something, if we want to buy, we will save up money. We will discipline ourselves. We will, you know, do whatever it takes, no matter what it is in life. When we want something bad, we'll do whatever it takes to get it. And so I feel, and my question would be, how bad do you want it? How bad do you want to be intentional with your Bible reading and your prayer time? It's easy to say, oh, I want to have a good prayer life. I want to have a good Bible reading life. It is. But how bad do you want it? Do you want it as bad as you want that new outfit? Do you want it as bad as you want that skinny body? <laughs> how bad? You know, you make the choice and um, you control how it's done. So I would just say you can do it little by little, step by step. But you got to start somewhere and start today if you haven't started. Amen. Amen. I love that. I have another question for you. Is your middle name really Joy? I know on Instagram, it says Rachel Joy Carson. It is. Yes. Yep. Rachel okay. Joy. Oh, what a I'm writing a book about Joy right now. Hopefully we'll be done in a few weeks, but what a beautiful middle name. I love that. Thank you. Yes. Rachel okay. Joy. My husband, that's my nickname. He'll call me Joy sometimes. So people are like, Joy, <laughs> like that's my middle name. <laughs> so. I love that. Well, thank you so much for, again, taking time to be here today. Thank you so much for everything that you've shared. Your passion for prayer and for the word of God really came through in everything that you shared. And I'm just grateful um, for everything that you said. I believe it's going to encourage and strengthen people in their walk with God. Oh, awesome. Well, glory be to God. And thank you for asking. You're so welcome. So welcome. So glad to have you here today. 
Thank you again, Sister Carson, for taking time out of your schedule to share with the unedited listeners and with myself. I've been impacted by several things that you shared. I very deeply started a miracles page in my journal and actually wrote a couple of things down this morning. And so thank you for your time and your passion for prayer and prayer journaling. And thank you for joining me for this journey. I look forward to meeting up with you again next time. If you have questions, you can visit MegUnedited.com. For now, go grab your journal and your Bible. I so look forward to the power of this habit in your life. This is Unedited. This is for you. Happy Friday.